0: If you brought your Bibles with you this morning or you want to get one out of the pew, uh, feel free to do that and turn to the uh, gospel according to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, We will get to Matthew chapter 13 here in a little while, uh, but also want to get into the book of Numbers chapter 16. Again, uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, you can mark that place and also go back to the book of Numbers uh, chapter 16, and we'll read from Those two places here in just a minute, I'm going to read you one other verse uh, to you in just a minute. But if you want to go ahead and mark uh, Matthew chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 16, we will get to those here uh, in just a little bit. As you're turning those two places, I think we can understand when we get into the book of Numbers in just a minute, we're going to see that rebellion exists. And rebellion doesn't just happen at home. Uh, I believe there's also rebellion against God God is not a a trickster. God is not trying to uh, pull a fast one on somebody. God tells us very plainly that people that rebel, that there's a judgment or there's a consequence that happens. And by doing that, God tells us there's things that we should do in life and there's things that we should not do in life. This morning our, our title would be very simple. It would be separation. Separation. I want to read you, and I want to then turn back to the book of Numbers, but I want to read you one verse in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. I think we can understand very plainly from that one verse there's right and there's wrong, there's good and there's bad. There's black and there's white. There's light and there's darkness. There's a divide for so many things in our life. Abhor, as he says, that which is evil. The word abhor actually is pretty close. The, 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 The Abhor actually comes from a word that we use, horror, which means we're absolutely frightened of it. I want to say this in the very beginning, folks. We should be afraid of sin and evil. I'll even go as far as to say this. We're living in a time where people are trying to acclimate and become comfortable with sin. Folks, we should never be comfortable with sin. We allow it. We tolerate it. It's not that we belittle people because they do that because we all sin and we all have sin in our life. But the idea is is that do we desire to separate from sin or do we kind of find some joy in that? Now hold that thought and let's go to the book of Numbers chapter 16, for just a moment, I want to skip down to the 26th verse. When you think about separation, remember, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Make the right choices in life. You're all here today, and I, that, that's a wonderful choice that you've made, but I pray your hearts to hear with your physical presence too. Numbers chapter 16, the 26th verse says, and he spake unto the congregation saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs lest ye be consumed in their sins. Now God's going to tell them, he says, because of their, uh, their sinfulness and because they had got to a point of rebellion in their life, he said, you need to separate yourselves and be different from them. And we're going to talk about some of these things in just a minute, but notice what he says. He spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in their sins. Now, the third verse of that very same chapter says, And they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves among the congregation of the Lord. These people were not just rebelling against Moses and Aaron. They were rebelling against God. So God said, there's a judgment that's going to happen. And you need to separate. You need to distinguish yourselves from the rebellious people. And that's what this 26th verse says. Depart, I pray you. From the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs lest ye be consumed in all their sins. Moses and Aaron was given some pretty simple instructions. You need to separate. The idea is pretty continual through the Old Testament even in the New Testament. That God's people should separate themselves from the world. But yet if if you'll realize and if you admit it to it this morning maybe you're not like me. But it's easy for us to want to blend in in the world. It's easy for us to want to fit in. In other words, if our society says it's okay, then we want to say it's okay. If society says this is acceptable, then we want to tend to say this is acceptable. But, but listen to what God's telling them. He said, you need to depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. Why did God tell them to separate from wickedness? Let me pause that question and let me ask it to you a little bit different today. Do you believe that evil is contagious? Now I want you to listen when I ask that question. Do you believe that evil is contagious? Now when I say that, I'm asking that question because I believe that fear is contagious. I believe that evil is contagious. I believe that good can be contagious. People should look upon God's people and say and understand that we can live a peaceable life and still live within the realms or the the governing body of God's word and what God wants us to do. So if you'll notice one of the first things that God was giving instructions to them to do was he says depart I pray you from the tents of these wicked men. And notice what happened is there was a prayer that was being happened. I want, to, I want you to really look at this 26th uh, verse here for just a minute. And he says, there's a separation that needs to happen. There's a separation that must transpire. And in order for that to happen, he says, you have to separate from these things. And you need my help to do that. For notice what he says. He says, from these tents. I want to ask you, and I'm ask, I know I'll ask a lot of questions, but I want to ask you something today. Do you believe that there are places in this world that we need to separate from? I want you to ponder about that for just a minute. Do you believe there are places in this world that we need to separate from? Folks, I will go on record and I hope that you believe me when I say this. Church is not one of the places we should separate from. Church is not a place that we should separate from. Have we ever gotten to a place in our life where there's many other places that are more important than the house of God? And I'm not here to judge you. I'm just simply saying, notice what they were instructed to do. He says, I pray, you." he says, that you would depart from the tents. You know, today, folks, there's a lot of times I have to evaluate myself and I have to think, Lord, are there places in this world that I have to separate from? You know, there's some places that make me squirm a little bit. There's some places that make me feel uneasy. There's some places that make me feel uncomfortable. They are just engrossed in sin. And I I pray this morning that we might all look at our own lives and separate from not just places, but places that draw us away from God. And not only does he say that, but he says, From the tents, he said, and uh, of these wicked men. This is probably not something that we all want to hear, but there's not only places we've got to separate from, but there are people in our life we have to separate from. Folks, you must do and live your life and do whatever it takes to keep your relationship with God pure. Separate's not something we always like to admit. Separation is not something we always like to understand or acknowledge. But separation is important. If it's something today that causes our problems and our, our hurdles in our life, I pray that we would do that. For he says, depart I pray you from the tents and these wicked men. And he says, and touch nothing of theirs lest ye be consumed in all their sins. You see, these people, not only was it the tent that was wicked, the people that was wicked, but it was their philosophies, it was their teachings, it was their ways. And we're going to talk about some of this in a minute, but there's a lot of things in the world we need to stay away from. We need to get out of those things. And he goes on to tell them, he says, a From their tents and these wicked men. How important is it for us to separate? I didn't tell you to mark this verse, but I'm going to read it to you real quick. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get back into our scripture reading. But Paul tells us over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and in verse 11 says this, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Again, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. This morning as we look at this verse here in the book of Numbers chapter 16, we talk about separation, we talk about uh, being different, you might even say. We have to understand it's, that's even instructions that the church was given, that we're supposed to be a called out assembly, something that is separate from the world. We are not of this world, we are just in this world. And I'm glad today that here we come into a time that we, on Sunday morning, do you know what we do on Sunday morning? We assemble together and we separate from the world. Do you know what we're going to do all week long? We're going to come together in revival. We're going to separate from the world and we're going to worship together. Folks, there is a need in our life and I, I should not say that. There's a need in Scott's life that we separate from so many things that hinder us and bog us down and drag us away from God. For there's a lot of lures that this world has to pull me away from God. And I thank God that there's times in our life that we can separate and we can do much. He says here, I pray you from the tents of these wicked men. But I want you to ask yourself, to what extent should we separate? Notice what he says, touch nothing of theirs. You know, to some people today, they're going to think that's a pretty extreme thing if you're not supposed to touch anything of theirs. Why does God tell us not to touch it? You know, we we a lot of times say that if you play with a snake, you're going to get bit. A lot of times we feel like we can get close to danger and evil, but then we want to wonder why the effects, we, we didn't mean for that to happen. Why was you ever there to begin with? I can't tell you how many times in my life as a child growing up, I learned that lesson. Well, you shouldn't have never been there to begin with. And I wasn't getting bailed out of these situations by my parents. It was pretty much, I very often said, well, you should have never been there to begin with. But you see, we, we a lot of times feel like if we can get close to sin or we can get close to evil, that nothing bad should happen. But be careful, folks. When you get close to something or you get near something... Bad can happen. That's why we're instructed that we need to abstain and we need to remove from all this evil that is out there. And we have to separate ourselves. And that's why he said, touch nothing of theirs. One of my great fears that I have in life is if we touch something, that it won't be long until we embrace it. When we start touching things and we start saying, well, what does this feel like? What does this feel like? What, it, what is the texture of this? What is the well, consistent, whatever it is that we're touching, all of a sudden no longer are we just touching it. We're embracing it. I greatly fear churches that not only touch out in the secular world that's out there. and I, I, Again, I don't want to mix politics and religion but I do believe that there's a biblical principle we should live by. And what I say by that is, if we're not careful, not only do we start touching all of these things and ideas and the teachings that are out there, but folks, if we're not careful, there will come a time when God's people start embracing these things. And I pray today that we would realize what, what, what the instruction they were given is. It says, touch nothing of theirs. You know, sometimes we, we want to wait until a problem is a monster. <clears throat> Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. A lot of times we want to wait until something is, is large and bigger than us before we want to deal with it and try to separate from that. Folks, may we understand this morning is that may we separate from something before it ever becomes a problem. May we separate from those things before they ever become something that are larger than we are. But, but here's the good part. Even though they may be bigger than we are, they're never bigger than God. But I want you to listen to what he says here. He says, touch nothing of Theirs, you know, a lot of people get in a lot of trouble today because they they feel like that they can they can touch or they can mingle or they can be a part of something, but they wonder why the effects of that are in such an extent by which they are. Paul said over in the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter six. Let me just turn and read this verse to you for just a minute. Second Corinthians, six, chapter seventeen, verse. Paul talks about and he quotes Isaiah. He says, "Wherefore, come out from among them." And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What is this whole idea about touching something that's unclean? Let's think about that spiritually for just a minute. Why is it that that we feel like that touching one thing can cause a great deal of problems? You know, you and I today, we can probably relate a little bit more to this because we've I, I'm gonna say we've kind of come out of this 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 A virus that we've had and the whole idea is you touch something you can get sicker than what in other words it can manifest itself and you become sick just off by touching so the idea is don't touch anything that's unclean you know this world today has a lot of sickness that they want to give God's people there's a lot of sin sickness that the world wants to bestow upon us there's a lot of things and that's why Paul and he he goes back and talks about Isaiah he said you need to touch no unclean thing he said you need to keep clean, you need to keep pure, you need to kind of keep your lives right. I, there's one thing I've marveled over the last, I don't know, couple of years at it, 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 how extensive people have gone to protect themselves and to clean themselves and not to, to touch anything that could bring harm. I, I often would ask myself, Lord, how how strict are we in our souls that we want to protect ourselves and clean ourselves and, and do what's right so that, that evil and the worldliness and all these things would not become a part of our, of, of our spiritual, lives, would we protect ourselves to that extreme? And we know people have gone to some great extremes to protect their their physical health, and I'm not saying they shouldn't. They should. What I am saying is folks, what extremes do we go through in our spiritual lives? And Paul says, you don't don't touch anything that's unclean. He said, because the whole idea was, as under the Jewish law is, if you touch something unclean, then you would become unclean too. Folks, I prayed this morning that we would see, much like we're reading here, where he says... And touch nothing of theirs, because he said, if you do, he said, uh, he says, uh, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. You know, of all the things that, that we face here in this life, I pray that we would see that, uh, that, that God desires that, that we might separate from these things, that we would not uh, be the exact same thing as, uh, as, as what others are going through. And he gave that warning to separate themselves. But let's turn over the book of Matthew for just a second. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 uh, begins with the parable of the sower. And how the different seed was sown. But I want to skip down to about the 24th verse. Now, once a harvest time had come. Let's just read beginning in... Verse twenty four. A narrower parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed, in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, he brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the household said, Came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? For whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then gather, we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. So here's what's fixing to happen. He said, You know what? He said, I went out and sowed good seed. He said, But in the midst of that, there's good and there's bad. You can live, there are people today that live the most holy, sacred lives. But that is not automatically going to eliminate evil in this world. I applaud people that want to do more. And you know what? I, I believe in that. I believe in trying to do more and trying to live better. But folks, there is an entire world that even though they can be saved, they're not going to be saved. And that's, that's a whole other lesson for another time. But what he says is there's going to be a time that they're going to grow together. But that day of separation is going to happen. You know, when you go out in the world today, you can't help it. No matter how much good is being sold, there's good and there's bad. They're all growing together. There's nothing more frustrating for people that try to, to, to have a, a garden or try to uh, have any kind of a crop that something that you didn't plant is going to grow. And you know as well as I do, there's always something going to grow that you didn't plant there. But in doing that, I want you to think about what happens here. He says, I want you to... these These two times... Uh, the the two kind of uh, wheats and the tares that are going to be together, he talks about, he said, they're going to grow together, but the time of separation is going to happen later, and God knows the difference in the two. So follow with me for just a minute. Harvest should be a time when everything that's brought in is good, but not everything that's brought in is good. You know what, I believe that there's going to be a day that all of God's people and all of those that are not God's people, we're all going to be brought together and there's going to be a separation that's going to happen. Jesus teaches us that we're supposed to separate from the world. We're supposed to separate from these things uh, that are happening. And what he's telling them is, is that right in the midst of the wheat, he said, there are these tares also. He said, well, do you want me to root them up? He said, no. Notice what he says. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat. He said, let both grow until, together until the harvest. Now notice what he says. He said, let both of them grow together. There's always going to be good and bad. They're always going to be hand in hand with other, each other. Remember what we said? A poor that which is evil cleave to that which is good. Don't you wish you just woke up on Sunday morning or, or a Friday morning and there was a chance of no evil for the day? Don't you wish you could just wake up and and get ready to go to church and you didn't have to fight against evil, folks? There's always going to be good and evil, but we go back to that choice that, that Paul said in Romans. He said, you need to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. You have choices in your life. You have choices in the church house on Sunday morning. Are you going to listen to God or are you not going to listen to God? We have choices with God and the ways of the world Over and over and over again. But God is telling us. Remember what we're reading to you. He said, "He depart I pray you from the the tents of these wicked men. He said, touch nothing of theirs. He said, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. He's telling them that there's a time that they need to separate. He said, in the, the parable that we're reading here in 13th chapter of Matthew. He said, let them both grow together until the harvest. He said, there's coming a time that's all going to be in the same time, in the same place. He said, but there's coming a day of separation. He said, and it's going to be at that time of of, of, of harvest. You know what I, I've always found interesting about the harvest? It was a joyous time. You know, just like a farmer here. You know, they would plant their crops and they would tend to their crops. They would take care of their crops. And then when it was time to harvest, that was it was time to celebrate all your labors. You know what? It, When we leave this world, that's when it's time to celebrate the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Not everybody's going to celebrate when they leave this world. Folks, some people are going to be cast into hell. And I assure you, there will be no celebrating in hell. There's no joy in hell. There is no rejoicing in hell that's going to happen. That belongs into heaven. But he says, I want you to leave them alone. And in time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, But notice what he's going to do to these tares. And bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. You mean there's something that's valuable versus something that's not valuable? Your soul is important to God. But the only way you have value, I guess you would say, to your soul is if the blood of Jesus has been covered by that. Do you have Jesus? Do you have that in your life? When when that separation comes, that you're going to be put into a place, he said, but gather the wheat into my barn. But notice what he goes, I'm going to go back to what he said there. He says, I want you to take the tares. He said, even though they're all growing together, you got good and you got evil, he said, I want you to take them. He said, I want you to bind them in bundles. He said, to burn them. Well, do you believe in hell? Let me ask you that. Do you believe in hell? I do. I believe in hell. I believe there are people that's going to be cast into hell and I don't believe that they're going to go willingly or wantfully. I believe that they're going to be separated. Now, let's talk about separated just a little bit more. Who are we separated from? Well, husbands are going to be separated from their wives eternally. One in heaven and one in hell. That's very true. And that's horrible. There are people that are separated from their parents to their children to the uh, you could keep naming all these separations that happen folks but the worst separation that can happen is a separation of you from God If you're sinful this morning and you've been you've never been saved by the grace of God you are not physically dead, you are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead means that your soul is separated from God. And I pray this morning that if you are spiritually dead, that you might be reunited with Him. That you might be made alive again. That you might be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And when you become that new creature and you become that new person in Christ and you get saved, then all of a sudden, you're not going to spend eternally separated from God. You're going to be eternally with God. Now, one of the great benefits of that is, and joys is, there's going to be other people that's going to experience the same thing. Folks, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be the only person there. I believe there's people, I believe there's people here today that's going to meet me on that shore. And now whether you go first or I go first, I don't have a clue about that, but I believe there are people right here that's going to be with me when I get to heaven. We're going to be separated, but it's not eternal separation. The thing he's talking about here is that a desire that we might separate from sin. Let me ask you this is there anybody here this morning that has a longing for eternally separating from sin? We, We we have to understand is that when we die, we're finished with sin. We get to go to a place called heaven where we don't battle that battle no more. We don't fight against evil no more. We don't have any downtroddenness in our lives and, and any kind of a insecurity that's going on. We have perfect peace and harmony with God. And you know what, folks? I look forward to that. Don't get me wrong. I look forward to the time I have on this earth. I have no clue how long God's going to leave me here, but I do know this. I look forward to the day God sees fit to say, Son, you're through with sin. I battle the sin and there's a separation. That's why I have to be told like Paul told the Romans. He said uh, in the book of Romans there, he said, you know, you need to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Uh, That's why I have to be told like uh, God began to tell. He said, you need to uh, speak in the congregation saying, depart I pray you from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs lest you be consumed in all of their sin. He said, you need to take these things. And he said, you need to... Excuse me, He said, you need to take these things. And he said, uh, you, you need to, to realize is that you need to separate from them. So again, this morning, I ask you, what do you need to separate from? What is it you need to separate from? John chapter 15 tells us that, that a, 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 a branch that does not abide in the a vine, that does not abide in the very trunk, I guess you would say. In John chapter 15, when he talks about uh, the relationship that we should have in life, He talks about how that if we are not in Him and we're not connected to Him, every branch in me that beareth no fruit, He taketh away, and every branch that beareth uh, uh, fruit, He purgeth it and maketh it bring forth. Uh, He said, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Folks, there's a lot of things that we can separate from today, there's a lot of places. But one place we don't need to separate from is the church. There's a lot of people. There's one person that we don't need to separate from. That's Jesus. I'm going to admit something to you. This world gets busy. You may or may not agree with that, but this world gets busy. I will say this, it only gets as busy as we allow it to. The world gets busy. Do you have time for church? Do you have time for God? Do you have time for relationships? We've talked about this in in Sunday's past, is that relationships don't just happen. We've got to work at them. Do we give God time? Not just on Sunday morning, but all the days of our life. Do we continue to give God that time? He said, you know, of all the things in life that we can separate from... From the people and from the tents and and, and the places you might say, we don't need to get away from God. We don't need to get away from His church. We need to be in fellowship with Him and in harmony with Him. And that's why He says, He says, depart from you. He says, I pray from you uh, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs unless you be consumed in all their sins. John chapter 15 tells us that we must abide in Him. Now you can read that chapter and you can study that chapter all you want. That's not a recommendation or a strong suggestion. He tells us it is mandatory that if you want this, this must happen, folks. Today, if you want this relationship with Jesus, we got to separate. We got to choose. He said, "Abhor that which is evil; cleave to that which is good." Now let's go back to Romans for just a moment, and I want to think about that verse chapter in the ninth verse, Abhor. It means to be absolutely terrified, horrified. Romans chapter 12 and in verse nine says, "Abhor that which is evil." Now, what does that mean? It just simply means is that there's things in this world that should bother us and disturb us. But I got to get to the word cleave for just a second. Paul also says to cleave to that which is good. For all the folks that are married, do you ever heard the word cleave before? Sometimes that's what we're told to do in a wedding is that, you know, a man and a woman that they leave their mother and their father and they cleave one into another. You know what the word cleave actually means? It's a word that means to be bound together with glue. Let me, let's me let process this for just a second. Why would you put glue on something? In other words, is it because it has potential to go through some kind of friction? You put glue on the binding of a book. And the reason is, the purpose of a book is to go through that, but you want it to stay together through the usefulness or through the, the, the beating, you might even say, that it takes. You know, sometimes we get this Hollywood idea that, that marriage is all good and fine. But you know what? I believe that there should be something that binds us together stronger than glue that there is not a, a, a circumstance or situation in this life that's going to pull us apart. You know what happens to bad glue? You ever got a hold of something that's bad glue? is trying to hold something, all of a sudden you walk in there and it's fell apart or the binding of a book has come apart because it doesn't have good glue to it. You know why people are not cleaving to that which is good because they're not bound to it in a way that, that no matter the circumstances, God, I'm going to cleave to that which is good. What are you cleaved to today? What have, you, what have you just clung on to that, that, that you are bound to and it doesn't matter? And I'm not, I'm not here judging anybody, but I just simply want to say, is there anything in your life that you're inseparable from? If you said, preacher, there's nothing going to separate from my children. I'm going to say, hey man, that is very biblical. You should be there for them. But is there anything that can separate you from God? Paul says that nothing should be able to separate us from the love of God. Nor height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. None of these things should separate us from the love of God. And you know what? Nothing is eternally going to separate us. But what do we allow to? What do we cling to? We cling to weather forecast. We cling to predictions of what the economy is going to do. We cling to to all these predictions of things that could happen and they may or may not happen, folks. The Word of God is going to and that's what we must cling to more than anything else is the very promise of God. Separate this morning. What do you need to separate from? And I'm not here to pass a judgment on you saying, well, you need to let go of this. You don't need to do that no more. I'm simply here to tell you what Paul said. Abhor that which is evil. And as he would say, that we also not only abhor that which is evil, but he says to cleave to that which is good. What are you clinging and cleaving to this morning?